Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. So, Lewis Howes, welcome to the Empire Builders podcast. Great to have you here, my man. My man. Congrats on a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, we just wrapped up uh, our ninth Expert Empires event. Ninth. Yeah. Lewis uh, was the headline speaker, wrapped up with an amazing keynote um, titled Chasing Greatness. Um, so, what define greatness for me. Mm. What does greatness mean to you? For me, it's discovering your unique talents and gifts and pursuing your dreams using those gifts and in that pursuit, making the maximum impact on the people around you. That's what I think it is for me. And I love, and I'm always fascinated by the branding that certain speakers and experts and podcasters use. I, I love the school of greatness Thanks, as a concept. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of jealous I didn't come up with anything <laughs> quite that good. Um, where did that concept come from? It, it came from a pain. I was living in Los Angeles. I just moved from New York City. Um, I moved for a girl. <laughs> the day I landed, the girl broke up with me. This was 11 years ago, 10 years ago. And we got back together. It was kind of like an off and on thing or whatever, but it was this turning point in my life where I didn't know what was happening in this relationship. Sure. I didn't know if, if I was supposed to be in LA or move back to New York. I was kind of having a breakdown with my business partnership. We, we had been successful for a year, for a few years, but then I had a different vision for where the business wanted to go than he did. I've been there. So we're kind of like, <laughs> you know, having this like passive aggressive energy toward each other, frustrated, kind of resentful of each other. Um, and I just kind of felt like all these things in my life were supposed to be doing really well, but they weren't. And I didn't know what the issue was. And I was in LA traffic. And at the time I was like, why am I stuck in this traffic? I loved New York City. I could walk everywhere. And I remember just being stopped in the highway and everyone around me was frustrated. Like I was looking at the cars and the people around me, they were all frustrated. And I remember thinking like, there's gotta be a way to get in front of these types of people in cars who are stuck in traffic. Like I'm, and I was feeling stuck in my life. So it was kind of a metaphor. Mm. And I remember thinking while I was sitting there trying to go like two miles for an hour, I remember thinking like, I'm hearing about this podcasting thing. This is back in 2012. So like, remind me, us. This was 10 was years the, ago. What was the landscape like then for podcasting? So there was no podcast. I mean, it was like, I'd heard new. of like- It was new. Right? Very new. And I'd heard of like a few maybe tech podcasts, but it wasn't mainstream. It wasn't mainstream. It wasn't accessible. I don't even know if it was on the iPhone yet. Like I remember having to like, just where do I find a podcast and how do you get it? But I remember hearing like, okay, I had two friends uh, who had a podcast that launched maybe six months prior. And I just saw that they enjoyed it so much. So I called both these friends in the car at this time. And I asked them like, what are you liking about this? Are you getting any leads for your business? Because that time I was thinking, how do I get leads for my business? Sure. And just tell me more. And they both said, like, it's the most fun they're having. It's the deepest engagement of their audience. Mm. And they're just having a blast. And the, the connection with the audience of people was really powerful. And I was like, huh, I think I could do this. I've never done a pod, like an interview show or anything like that, but I'm, I think I could do this. And I came up with the name in the car. I was just like, my entire childhood, I suffered in school. And I wish they would have taught me how to overcome adversity, how to deal with like stress, how to deal with heartache and relationships, how to make money, like all the things I wish they would have taught me, they didn't teach me. And I was like, I wish there was a school that taught you about like life, you know, and taught you about how to be great. And I was just like, school of greatness. So it literally all happened kind of in this hour. Wow. Of, because <clears throat> I'd heard about it for a while. And I was just like, I wonder if this is a thing. I called two friends and I, it was kind of like in the middle of my pain, there was this solution. And um, I think I launched maybe like four months later, five months later. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, you were really early in the podcast early. kind of game, Very podcast early. scene. Um, and it's fascinating how you, how you spotted the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, you mentioned about being stuck in traffic and yeah. seeing other people frustrated in their cars, stuck in traffic. I mean, 
20 years ago, it was tape sets, right? That's yeah. how people consumed content. And CDs and yeah. Yeah, in their cars and stuff. And, and you know, I, I look at the, the current climate and I guess the question that I'm asking and maybe a lot of our audience are wondering is like, what's the next trend? Mm. Um, I know you haven't got a crystal ball, but yeah. like, you know, it, put it this way, if we'd all realized how big podcasting was going to be 10 years ago, yeah. 10 years ago, we'd all jumped on it. And look, I hold my hands up. I only launched my podcast in 2020 during the pandemic because wow. I'm like going, I can't run events. Yeah. Uh, I can't do a lot of the things that I normally do to connect with people and build my community and serve my community. So I launched the podcast, uh-huh. but you know, I, I'd been, to be honest, I'd been considering it. I'd been, um, well, one of my good friends, Rob Moore, who I think you know sure. fairly well, um, had been at me for months, a year plus. To do a podcast. To do a podcast. I was like, oh, I'm too busy, got events happening, all that stuff. So, you know, in some respects, even though the pandemic was, um, you know, not ideal, it was probably a gift yeah. in some respects because it made me do things that I wouldn't normally have done. So what, what's, when you look at the current climate right now yeah. what do you see as the the next thing the next thing what are the trends what are the where are you investing your time and energy right now i mean for whatever reason the the metaverse is not exciting to me yet like okay. everyone's talking about the metaverse and all these different things and for whatever reason i'm not excited about it yet because i feel like there's too much friction for people to like put on these oculus you know goggles and like really take the time to develop a new habit mm. i feel like people aren't doing that habit yet. And it's like training and teaching people to do a new habit is, it's like a lifestyle change. It's not just like, oh, there's a new different thing on your phone that you can open up into a different app. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, put these headset on your eyes yeah. and be in there for hours every day. And so I just, that might happen in 10 to 20 years. I don't think and, it's gonna happen in the next few years. And by the way, to a certain extent, you could have said the same thing about podcasting in 20. But it's much more natural to go sure. from radio to, oh, it's on my phone on demand. Yeah. It's not it, a- All that made, made it was more accessible. It's easier. This is more friction. Yeah, I agree. So it's a, it's a more streamlined. It's like saying, oh, people aren't gonna like on-demand taxis, but they are because it's more frictionless. Sure. So there's friction to the new habit, mm. which maybe as time happens and it becomes more mainstream and cultural and all these things and, and people are just like, start using it maybe but i just don't see it happening they thought that was going to happen five years ago yeah, yeah and it's still not happening now so for me i don't see that as a big thing in the next three to four years i could be wrong maybe 10 maybe plus 10 20, plus yeah. maybe 10 plus but i feel like three years feels like 10 years in the digital world right now it's so much is changing i mean three years ago tiktok wasn't a thing it's mad isn't it and now it's it is pop culture yeah. it is mainstream it is like viral traffic um you know, a year ago, YouTube Shorts wasn't a thing. And now people are getting millions of subscribers and audiences from YouTube Shorts. Like Reels wasn't a thing a year ago. Maybe it just came out around a year ago or something, right? And now it's the, the main trend. That's going to shift in a year or two. Hey, real quick, if you've been listening to the Empire Builders podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I do not run ads on this podcast. And what you should also know about me is that I only partner with companies who I absolutely 100% believe in. And so I'm making an exception because of my partnership and my loyalty to Keep. So since 2010, I've been using Keep, which was previously known as Infusionsoft, to automate all the sales and marketing in my business, deliver world-class experience to my clients, run e-commerce reports, manage affiliates, partners, and loads more. I really believe that Keep is the best CRM on the planet for small businesses, for entrepreneurs that are building their empire. Many of my guests on this podcast use it, and pretty much all of my closest friends in the industry also use it. That should speak volumes. So uh, Infusionsoft recently rebranded to Keep, K-E-A-P, and what they've also done is brilliantly made it even more affordable, even more usable for 
businesses that are at different stages of their journey. So to go and get a free demo, all you need to do is go to keep.com, that's K-E-A-P, keep.com forward slash empire builders. And by using that link, I've negotiated the best possible deal for empire builders subscribers. So go to keep.com forward slash empire builders. You get a free demo. And when you go through that unique link, it means you'll get the best possible deal because you're a subscriber of this podcast. So let's get back to the show. For me, uh, I'm very, uh, I'm connected to my, my vision and the vision or the mission, which is to serve 100 million lives weekly. So I think of what is going to be the thing that supports that, that mission of reaching 100 million lives weekly. Right now, that's not VR yeah. or the metaverse now. And the main thing you said right at the start when I asked you this question is like, it doesn't excite me right now. And the, the if concept, everyone's on there, maybe it excites me. The concepts of the School of Greatness and the podcast in that moment mm-hmm. in whatever you said it was, 2012. 2012, yeah. That excited you. Yeah. And I think it's got to excite you. I, I think if Absolutely. you try and force, force yourself no. to, you know, those that are listening, if you're forcing yourself into a platform or into a way of creating yeah. and delivering content that doesn't excite you and you don't want to do, you're probably not going to do it well consistently no, anyway. Exactly. Yeah, so I, th- I see, um, for me, I just see micro video as being the way for the next three years, yeah. you know, and getting really good for my mission. It, yeah. This isn't for every business or every person, but my mission is to serve 100 million lives weekly. You can't do that without video because video is what you can reach that many people with if you get it in the right formats in the right way and the right distribution. Like it's still going to be extremely hard, but based on my mission, that's what I see over the next few years is viral micro videos. Nice. I talk a lot about um, vision and creating a clear, a big, clear vision for your business, for your life. Um, so I love that you've shared that mission of serving 100 million lives weekly. Where are you in relation to that currently? No, I mean, not even close. We get like 17 million. I count it as like long form listens or, or views, okay. you know, not like a five second listen yeah, yeah. or a five second view. So over 20 minutes of engagement with one interaction. I count that. And right now we're at 17 million 20 minute plus engagements. That's still absolutely insane. A month. Okay. So the goal is so last year we did a hundred million views on YouTube and we have a 24 minute watch time, which is extremely long for YouTube. It is, yeah. But we have hour to two hour videos, right? So so we had over a hundred million just on YouTube, right? And so okay, we did that in a year. How do we do that in a month? And we do it in a month. How do we do that in a week? Nice. And then how do we do that every week consistently? Yeah. So it's taken me nine years to get to this place. It hasn't happened overnight. It's a consistently showing up. It's trying to figure out how to build a team, distribution, marketing, becoming better at content creation, better at video editing, all that stuff and uh, partnerships and collaborations. So it's just, I'm in it for the long haul. So it's not something I need overnight, but I'm also seeing how can I get there as fast as possible. Sure. And when did you, uh, I'm always fascinated um, when people share their, as you share your mission. Yeah. You know, I talk a lot about vision, purpose, mission, and values. Uh-huh. When, when did you Come kind of that? formalize about that mission? About eight years ago. About eight years yeah, ago. Yeah, about a year, a year, I think it was about a year after the podcast started. Because I said to myself, okay, I'm going to do this podcast thing for a year, once a week. I'm not going to try to make money. I'm just going to do it because I want to enjoy it and try something new Mm -hmm. at that time i'd been doing courses and webinars and you know kind of teaching and selling for maybe four years at that time three and a half four years hard like this was an an obsession every week doing webinars creating courses launching like whatever i could to go from broke to making as much money as possible in like three and a half four years and so i had saved pretty much everything like i was buying middle seat, back row, Southwest airline flights everywhere. I was staying on people's couches for free. I was like afraid to spend money those first few years because I didn't have any before that. And so I had probably two years of runway to where if I didn't make any money, I'd be fine. But I only had about two years maybe. And I said, okay, I'm gonna do this for one year, just an experiment. And after a year, I was like, man, I really love this. It's so much fun. I'm enjoying this. 
And I'm building this community. Although it was small, the first year I only got 750,000 downloads total. There was no video. So it was just audio, 750,000 downloads year one, which is not a lot, which is really not a lot. I didn't need a million downloads in a whole year, throwing my whole life into something, right? And I was promoting this every day, like one by one. I had a small audience then. Um, and after that, I was like, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to keep doing this? If so, what's the mission? And whenever I would ask people what their goals were, a lot of people would say, I want to change the world, right? I want, I want to change the world. I want to reach billions of lives. This is what I would hear people saying. Yeah. And it never resonated with me. I get the concept. Yeah, we. I think a lot of people want to change the world in, in their own way. But I was like, that doesn't resonate. It doesn't connect me to something like a direction. Yeah. Like a, a goal that I can quantify. And so I was reflecting on what do I want? I was like, okay, a billion lives. Yeah, that sounds like a cool number to say. But I was like, I'm reaching almost a million in the year one, right? And so I was like, 100 million sounds like a massive goal at yeah. that time. Yeah. And what if I could do 100 million one day? And I was just like... 100 million seems like a great goal. And it's something I can track. It's something I can measure, quantify. I have direction. And so it started off as 100 million. And then as I started getting tens of millions, I was like, I think I want to reach for 100 million weekly. And so that's just how I came up with it. It's something that's, um, I feel is doable, but also a big goal to go after. Yeah. And once I reach it, if I do. Um, when? Yeah, when, when, you, when, when you, but I'm also not attached to it. Perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm happy with where I'm at, too. I'm happy. I, I want to keep growing, obviously, but I'm like, you know, I'm changing lives. I'm impacting people, and that's I'm happy with that. So, if, when, um, then I'll reassess the next goal. But <laughs> but it's, it's cool to me, um, and I think fascinating for our audience, that you created that when you were, like, one year in. Yeah. And... Even now, you know, you're at, I think you said 17 million a month. A month, yeah. Um, and the goal is to be 100 million a week. Yes. So there's still a long way to go. But still when you started, that was so far into so the distance. So much farther, man. So much farther. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, how, how do you even, how do you even think like that? How do you even mm. think that big? when it's so far from your current reality or it was then? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just a big big dreamer, I guess. But it's I can see the pathway. The more we build our team and our systems and – and How many you got in your team? 18 full-time. But okay. we have a lot of freelancers and agencies we work with too. So, yeah. um, But we're still growing. Are they in-house or remote? 18 or? in-house, but half a remote, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I love that. I think so many people – talk about um laptop lifestyle remote like and that's cool if that's what you want i am totally the opposite i want people in person as much yeah, as possible we're we're full-time um i think we're 24 25 yeah um, connection full-time in-house in our offices every day it just it creates a completely different Absolutely, man. energy i think people are feeling isolated people are like begging to come back in you know they're like yeah. i want to get out of my apartment so <laughs> Um, I can see it. The more we scale, the less I actually try to do everything and I focus on one or two things. And the more I, we build our team, the closer I see us getting to that goal. Yeah. So it's like I need to step away from doing all the things that I used to do that got me here. Mm. I used to do everything from social media to sales pages to copywriting to writing the newsletters Same. to, yeah. you know, I still do all the booking. I still do my own press. I still do a lot of things that I don't need to be doing. You know, so how how, how do you um, how involved are you operationally? How how do you lead that team of mm -hmm. eighteen people? Or how much do you lead it, and how much is it left to my business partner leads pretty much ninety five percent of it. Nice. I jump on a team call on Mondays, okay, and lead the team call and the vision for the week. But he is in the day to day interactions. Nice. I pretty much don't speak to anyone except for my podcast production team who's kind of prepping me for the shows and I'm interacting with in the, in the studio. But the less I am managing people, the better. Because otherwise I'm like, let's do this, 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 and I'm all over the place. And it kind of, I'm a distraction for people as opposed to you guys have your system, you have your team, you have like your your 
goals, like just do your thing, you know? Yeah, what's fascinating is in in our company setup, I am the other person. Yeah, I'm the, business the operator. Partner. I'm the operator, the CEO, and I've got a couple of partners who yeah. are the speaker, the expert, the sure. face of the business. Um, I, I don't do as much of that, but I think it's yeah. about being self-aware enough to know what of you, course. A, love doing, B, what you're great at. Yeah. Um, and yeah, certainly that's more my more my scene. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So um, we talk a lot in our events about people's mindset, attitude, specifically um, over the last couple of days. Um, part of what I was sharing on day one was our attitudes or our beliefs around money. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of our attitudes, our beliefs around money are formed in childhood um when you think back to your childhood what were the attitudes towards money what were the beliefs around money that you grew up with uh before i was 13 it was this you know attitude of like thrift and we don't have enough to afford like more than what we need mm-hmm. right i remember like I remember playing um, on a parking lot, like a, a parking lot down the street. Uh, there was a bunch of kids playing roller hockey. Like they all had roller blades. And we used, in the States, we have these like big blue recycling bins, kind of like trash cans, but they're recycling bins, like yeah. a rectangular. And we would use those as the goals in the parking lot. And guy, everyone had sticks and rollerblades, and they were using like a ball, like kind of like a lacrosse ball or whatever that they would hit with like playing hockey. We used to do the same thing. You did. We had golf clubs instead of hockey sticks. There you go. And tennis balls. That's fun. And roller skates. So we did the same thing. Yeah. And um, I didn't have, so we couldn't afford like a stick. So I always had to borrow a stick from someone else, some other kid. And we couldn't afford rollerblades for me. So I was the only kid that would run with sneakers. Yeah. While everyone else was rollerblading. Around. So <laughs> puts you a bit of a disadvantage. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I remember, so those were like certain things. It's not like we were super poor, but we just weren't affording things like that. Maybe that's why you became such an amazing sports person because you, ha- you had to compete with a massive compete. disadvantage exactly, yeah. when you were a kid, right? Exactly. So it's just little things like that. It's like, you know, my dad worked and uh, my mom worked and we had, there was four of us kids, but um, it was just kind of like this thrift hand-me-down kind of like culture until I was 13. Then my dad started to earn more. He was a life insurance salesman. So the more he got in his career, the more his residuals kicked in. So he started to like have more eventually when I was about 13. And so in the beginning, it was kind of like this idea of thrift, but my dad was really resourceful and he would kind of do things that I would witness um, like he always tipped in $2 bills and he would always be resourceful in the way he was considerate. And even when we didn't have a lot, he would try to tip like at least 20% every time to people, all that type of stuff. By the way, you do that in the UK. You are like a hero. Are you? Yeah. You exactly. are like the most generous person <laughs> on the planet. You tip 20% of the UK. Yeah. You are an absolute boss. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when I turned 13, I started to see, like, as he started to have more money, I started, he started to teach me things. And I was also older. And um, I just really learned about the power of investing and compound interest early on. So I got whole life insurance when I was like 23 myself wow. and started like, when I started making money, I started putting a little bit into a small policy and um, just kind of seeing that habit forming. Mm. So he totally taught me about that, but um, I've always been pretty thrifty. And, um, I think that's been helpful. But when you don't have money, like I didn't have money for a few years, I felt like I couldn't, I was kind of scarce in the fact that like I didn't want to lose it. Mm. So it took me a while to kind of like reprogram when I was in my 20s on how to like really master money. What was your um, first, I guess some of what you've just shared, learning from your dad, um, what was your first exposure to personal development to exploring alternative education. I was, I was 16. My dad got me and my mom tickets to go see Tony Robbins at an event in St. Louis, Missouri. No way. And I've interviewed Tony, I don't know, four or five times. And I've hung out with him a bunch for different masterminds. And every time I interview him, I tell him the story that I was, um, 
It's probably a 15,000 person arena. It's mm. kind of like a basketball hockey arena in yeah. St. Louis, Missouri. What, what year would this have been? 16. So it was, uh, it was uh, 99, sorry, 1999. Yeah. It, it's probably around the very similar time that I was attending the Tony events. Yeah. Um, first here in the UK. Funnily enough, we're sat, um, I've only just realized this. In Wembley. We're sat at Wembley right now recording this. And this is scary. Right across. That building. This one. I mean, how close is that building to where we are in this room? 20 feet, 30 feet. 20 yeah. feet, 30 feet from where we're sat. That building the arena, right? was where I attended a Tony Robbins That's UPW crazy. event. That is nuts, man. Wow, he did UPW right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, in fairness, I'd, I'd been to, um, well, without boring you with my story, I've been to a lot of Tony events all over the world. When they used to run a kids camp alongside uh, the main oh, events, cool. and my mum was attending the events, and um, she was uh, she was actually a trainer for Tony's company, and I'd go on the kids camp sure, thing, so I was in cool. the environment. That's but cool. when I was seventeen, it was when I first went to a UPW. Um, that's cool. And it was in Wembley Arena, right next yeah, door. Yeah, that's fun, man. That's great. Yeah, this wasn't UPW, but this was. He used to do these events where kind of like three-day success conferences where okay. he would bring in 15 different speakers. So we had like a coach from a Super Bowl team who won a nice. Super Bowl championship. We had like Donald Trump was actually speaking there this time and like Larry King was speaking and he would bring in presidents for these events, like all these different big names, kind of like athletes and celebrities yeah. he brought in to speak. So it was more about like he was kind of facilitating it and he would teach, but then he'd bring on a speaker and kind of go backstage. Nice. So about halfway through the event, we were, imagine being in a basketball court arena and I was at the half court line and there were rows of like, I don't know, a hundred rows and then everyone was filling the stand, the stands around. We were probably at the half court line and the stage was at the, at the end, right? And so I'm not super close to the stage, but I can see it pretty well. And my dad, I was... Really, I mean, I was this tall when I was like 11. So my dad knew to get me seats in the aisle so that I had more leg room and I could get out, right? You were this tall when you yeah, were- Yes, 11. You were 6'4". You were 6'4", 11 yeah, years of yeah. age. That's nuts, man. Yeah, and so, and, and it was like my knees were always hurting at the time because I was growing. So my knees were in pain a lot. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, so he got me a seat right in the aisle so I could kind of get out and spread my legs out. And I remember vividly, there was a moment of- and I've told him this story so many times. There was a moment where he puts a song on on stage. It's Don't Worry, Be Happy. Mm. And it's like this whistling part like of the song. And Tony is giving some example. He's telling some story. And then he walked down on st off stage, came down the aisle, and literally stood like within a few feet of me. He didn't look at me, but he was looking over and kind of speaking to the crowd. And I remember just like looking up and being like, his presence was so magnetic. And I was like, one day I want to be able to impact people in the way he's impacting people. I didn't want to be him, mm. but I wanted to be able to have an impact. Yeah. The way he was like energetically impacting me, I was like, wow, this is pretty inspiring just to be able to witness this. And so that was probably like the first exposure to this world. But as an athlete, I was always exposed to kind of like reading quotes and hearing speeches of coaches and kind of like being into goals and mindset from probably 10, 11 years old playing sports. Because a lot of coaches bring in the personal development, you know, well, tough what, mindset, showing up on time. Like, What's interesting is I think that's certainly back then was a lot more common in the US. Yeah, That wouldn't have been common in the UK. I think even now, um, in the UK, you know, I've got a, a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old, both boys. They play a lot of sport. There isn't that much around the mindset. Really? Um, of course, they're fortunate that they get access to a lot of, of that via me anyway, although they don't really listen to what I have to say. <laughs> so they get they get it. Um, we've actually got a, a client of ours who um, runs a mindset academy for kids. So um, my oldest has been through that. And That's cool. The youngest will be going through that now. He's kind of old enough. So yeah, I think. but I think, um, yeah, the more you can get around that stuff early. Great, yeah. I, I say it all the time from stage at our events. I'm like, parents, please, if you get the chance, find yeah. a way that you can exp have your kids learn about 
mindset, personal development as early as possible. Absolutely, man. Yeah, but the money thing has always been something I've been fascinated in studying uh, in terms of creating uh, an abundant mindset around money. And I think that's been something that a lot of people haven't learned and it holds them back. And it's a little bit what I talked about in the speech yesterday at the event of asking yourself like on a scale of one to 10, how grateful, how much do you appreciate and how much do you acknowledge the things, the people in your life on a daily basis? I believe that's where abundance is the foundation from. Gratitude, appreciation and acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people did this self-assessment at your event yesterday and they were like, yeah, on a daily basis, I go like yell out your number where a 10 is like you do this every day all the time. You're grateful for others you appreciate others and you acknowledge others. Like in, in every interaction in your life, you'd be a 10 if you did that. Or you're a one if you never do it, right? A lot of people are like, yeah, I'm a six, seven, eight. A lot of people are like, I'm a 10. I do this every day, which no one does it all the time, but it's okay. And I said, that's the foundation of abundance and really attracting more. And I said, what's now on a scale of one to 10, how grateful, how much do you appreciate and how much do you acknowledge yourself on a daily basis? And a lot of people were zero, two, three, couple fives. And why would money flow to you if you don't appreciate yourself, if you're not grateful for yourself and you don't acknowledge the efforts and the hard work you're putting in? You're saying, I don't deserve money, love, uh, you know, accomplishments. I don't deserve this because I don't acknowledge myself. So why would the universe bring it to you? Mm. So for me, that's the foundation is gratitude, appreciation and acknowledgement. Because if you don't appreciate yourself or others, why would you appreciate and value? Why would money come to you if you're not appreciating, if you're not coming from gratitude and acknowledgement? So that's kind of the foundation. I think a lot of people don't think that way. And if they can shift that, it'll start to flow differently. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm sure you um, you hear, you see this a lot as well in our industry of um, a lot of people who are coaches and speakers and experts um, massively undervalue uh -huh. their skills, yeah. their expertise, their ability to impact. Um, and I think what you've just said is absolutely spot on. It starts with their acknowledgement, their appreciation of themselves. Exactly. If you don't, you don't appreciate yourself or see your own value, how could you possibly, as a, let's say, coach, ask somebody to invest a significant amount of money right. in coaching with you. You just, you, you couldn't, right? Exactly. Um, we talked a little bit about, uh, you mentioned your experience of uh, Tony Robbins uh, in, in your youth. How did that, experiences like that, how did that aid you, support you in your sports career? I think it helped a lot, but I also had a lot of that in sport. I had incredible coaches most of the time that, were enforcing this belief and mindset on a daily basis for two hours of practice every day. So, so we've got to practice this consistently. Some coaches weren't as good as others where it kind of hurt me, but most of the time, you know, you have a team and every week we had goals. Yeah. And every week we're working towards the goals and assessing. Every week we get feedback. Every week we're thinking about having a positive attitude in the moment of practice. And if someone showcased a negative attitude or a negative response, the entire team suffered. Wow. And we all had to run laps or we all had to do suicide sprints or we all had to yeah. do push-ups. So it was like- so My favorite film, Coach Carter. Yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds exactly, like that yeah. environment. A lot of, I had like a military football coach, my first coach yeah. that was so hardcore and so like, just push you to the edge, you know, three a day practices in the first, you know, few weeks or whatever. And, and so it was like, if, you're only as good as the weakest link. If one person's got a negative attitude, everyone suffers and everyone has to like stop practice and go run laps or miles. Um, so it, it encouraged you to have effort every moment and encourage you to have a positive attitude and have good energy. Sure. And if you didn't, then we didn't accomplish our goals. Mm -hmm. And so this is why when I'm working with my team now in business, I'm like, I don't care if if you're the most skilled person in the world, if you have a bad attitude, if you don't give effort and you don't have good energy, then I don't want you on the team. If you have positive attitude, you put in good effort and you have good energy about you, 
then I'll hire you all day long and we'll mm. teach you skills. You know, you can learn skills. It's not rocket science. Sure. You know, it's like you can develop the skills, but it's hard to teach attitude, energy, and effort. Sure. So sports gave me that foundation of training mm. every day. And, so, and a lot was on the line. It was like, if you're winning or losing, it felt like a lot when you're 16, 17, 18. It's your life. Entire, it's your entire world, right? Yeah, it's your life. You, you still playing competitive sport? I haven't played. I played on the USA Hamilton team for for nine years. And right before the pandemic was like my last tournament in Brazil hmm. with against the Brazilian national team. And uh, I haven't played since then because the pandemic kind of like put it on hold for the USA team. So. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't like officially retired because I'm still kind of holding on to a little bit, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. You miss it? Yeah, man. I do miss it. I just ran a marathon two weekends ago. Really? My first marathon. Oh, wow. And I never Congrats. thought I'd, I, thank you. And I never thought I would do one because I'm a bigger guy. And I'm like, Dude, I was going to, no, like, you know, I'm 240 you're, pounds. You're, you're built for sports, I'm, I'm but for long speed. distance running is, yeah, exactly, yeah. man. I'm, it's not, but I also wanted to break that that limitation you know yeah, where I was, i've never ran more than a half marathon yeah and i did that the week before the marathon and they about wrecked me and i was like you know what if i'm going to continue to evolve i need to break through my own limitations things that i'm afraid of and i, and I talk about this on your stage i go i write down my fears every year and a marathon was one of my big fears that i wow. never wanted to do and i was like ah, God, okay i got to do this to just overcome it and build that confidence so I said I would never do another one also. And then right afterwards, the next day, I go, let's sign up for the New York Marathon now. So I just- See if you can beat I, your time. And, yeah, a little yeah, bit, you know, we'll see. But I've got to do something competitive for myself, you know, athletically. It just keeps me going. Yeah. A, a lot of times, um, clients and people in our masterminds, they ask me about what I do day in, day out to create and maintain good energy. What What are some of your- daily go-to I mean, habits the goal routines. is getting the goal is getting good sleep first because without good sleep that's the foundation if i'm not getting enough sleep then it's the rest of the day is hard to like catch up so sleep is number one <laughs> which when you've just flown in from the u.s yeah, no, it's hard it's body clocks all over the place yeah this is why matt on my team he's like he's like i'm only going to allow you to do four speeches a year yeah this is my second one of the year right and the last one was dubai 16 hour flight you know, uh, Dubai is a big time difference for you as well. Huge time difference, man. And he was like, you know, my speaking fee and, and you, we gave you the friends and family deal. Right. But it's like, of um, I, I thought, I thought Matt said that. Yeah. 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 But, um, <laughs> but Matt was like, listen, we've got to go almost double in June. It's going up. Right. And he's like, cause I can't have you speaking like this. Cause you're gone for a week it, and then you got to recover for a few days. Sure. And then it's taking you away from the, in the main mission. But you got to take resources and build a team and all that stuff. So he's like, we can only do like four of these a year. So he's like, you can only do two more a year yeah. for the rest of this year. And yeah. it's and it's April 1st, right? So, and we're putting the fee up for the rest of the year because he's like, I just can't have you travel. Yeah. But it's hard to say no when it's, when you go that high, you're like, okay, we'll do it. And then we'll just keep bumping it up. So um, sleep is the first thing. Do you and track then, sleep? Have you got a way I don't of track it. I just try to go to bed at a good time and yeah. yeah and try to get eight hours if i can but i started tracking mine about what would it have been probably about a year ago and yeah. it's like complete game changer because otherwise it, you can get a feel or get a sense but when you've got the data on your phone it, it you can't data's, ignore it data is always the best way to go for sure yeah. um i think once it, that helps you build a bit of a habit gives you an awareness yes and then you probably you don't do i probably don't need to now because yeah. i know like I know what time I need to be getting to exactly. bed. I know what a good night's sleep yeah, feels like or not. But I think having an awareness is yeah, of course. Thing. I think it's key. Um, that's important. I think um, this is gonna sound weird, but for me, having peace in my heart on a consistent basis is like the foundation as well. So it's having a good night's sleep and doing everything that I can. On a, what I just think to myself, what do I need to do today to continue to have peace? And a lot of that is having an amazing relationship with my, my, my girlfriend, Martha, where it's just, I focus on the quality of our time every day, not the quantity, but the quality of our time. Mm -hmm. And when I'm with her, I'm very present. And I do exactly what I just said before. I express, we express gratitude for each other every day, the morning and at night, and sometimes throughout the day. 
I tell her every day what I appreciate about her and I acknowledge her every day. This is not a forced thing. It's mm. just something that I'm just, I'm in so much joy that there's so much peace in the relationship. So I'm in constant gratitude, appreciation, and acknowledgement. And she's reflecting that back to me. Sure. And so that gives me a lot of peace and it creates this wheel of energy that is expansive. So my intimate relationship is, is key. Obviously, my nutrition is important. I'm not perfect in, in any of these things. Nutrition, I'm probably like 80% of the time uh, healthy. That's my one vice is I love sweets. And so it's kind of like a seasonal management thing. Sometimes I'm really good and other times I'm like, I'll just do whatever I want. But I don't drink. I've never well, been. I've on never the sweet been, front, what's yeah. your like major? Man, give me anything with sweets, man. Really? I, but I'm like cookies, ice cream, cakes, you Top know, candy bars. Yeah. yeah. But I don't, I've never been drunk in my life. I don't smoke. I don't do any drugs. I've never been high on anything. No plant medicines, like nothing. And I'm not saying that to brag. It's just like, those aren't my vices. Sure. I don't, I don't have a desire. Yeah. It's not, it's not even to think about it, you know, mm. but sweets is the thing. So, um, nutrition is the key thing for me. And then the rest of it is just, I've got my my trainers. I got my workouts. I think that's extremely important to develop more energy. And then the rest of it is just making sure I do things that I love towards my mission. So those are the really main things. Cool. You've had some like incredible guests on your podcast. Uh -huh. um, you're probably going to hate me for asking this Who's question. Who's my favorite? I'm, I want your top Everyone three. Else, uh, top three. I mean, I just had Matt Damon come out today. And that was like... a a big interview. Yeah, so I saw that on Instagram, I think it was. Yeah. I saw that you'd interviewed him. That's pretty cool. But my top three, I mean, Kobe Bryant was my top three before he passed. Mm. And even more so, you know, it's just like I really loved that interview. And it was really inspiring for me. Um, I'm a big fan of the – I got to put Tony Robbins on there because he was a big get for me early on. Yeah. So I put Tony on there. Um, and then – I really liked having Saad Guru on. He was powerful. So those are just the first three that came to mind. But I mean, there's so many great ones. When you first started the podcast, were you paying guests to come on? I've never paid a guest. Ever? Ever. Wow. Good for you. Although I've said that I would pay like for Ronaldo or something, you know, I'd pay. Yeah. <laughs> to get someone like that, if if he was like, I won't do it unless you pay me, I'd probably pay him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> and, and I guess then it depends what the... Yeah, the but it's is. funny, but people have offered me multiple times uh, $100,000 to come on the show. Of course. Because CEOs big, of big, big exposure for them. Yeah. CEOs that have like, you know, all this, raised a bunch of money or whatever. And I'm just like, ah, it doesn't feel right to me. I know people do that where they pay to get on shows and there's nothing wrong with that. Just with the stage and where I'm at with the podcast yeah. and the show, it doesn't feel in alignment um, with this current show. Maybe there's something else to do where that happens, but... Which is not my business model. So I can't imagine how many requests you must get. Listen, oh, daily. Like, I tons. get I get loads, and like, let's make no mistakes about it. Like, the amount of downloads and listens on my podcast is dwarfed by the school of greatness, and I get loads of requests. People approaching me all the time, mm -hmm. wanting to get on. You must be inundated. It's constant, but I mean, we've got filters, and my team sees a lot of that stuff. So yeah. yeah. Who's the um this is the second time you've spoken at Expert Empires here in the UK. Yeah. Um and we've been very blessed to have incredible speakers over the last five years um that have graced our stage. Who would you recommend that I bring to the UK next? What's your vision? Great question. Um, so it all depends on what you want. Yeah, great question. So I mean Expert Empires, most of our audience will know this, but Expert Empires is a, it's an experience and it's an event for expert business owners. So, you know, a lot of people have said to me, oh, you should go get X celebrity. But they don't know the business. I'm going. Um, experts and yeah. Yeah, it might sound cool but they don't know. to have them, their name, but are they actually going to bring something of value mm -hmm. to our audience? Um, so, yeah, it, it's, the 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 kind of I guess the criteria are or is somebody that's achieved significant yeah. success, made significant impact and income as an expert, whether that's yeah. a speaker, a coach, a podcaster, a content creator, something of that nature. Who do you think I'm going to say? 
I've got a name in my mind right now. So the the, the, the number one, of course, would have to be Tony. And that's probably mm. A, because this, that would be my answer to my own question. Sure. That that's probably A, because I think it'd be hard to question or debate that he's probably the one person that's created the most impact mm. in our lifetime. Have you reached um, out to him yet or his team to try to book him? Yeah, uh, yeah. so we, we've- um, How much is his There's, there's been, I'm not gonna say publicly here <laughs> what the fee is. Um, and and uh, we haven't had direct contact. It's been via mm. introducers and stuff. Um, and there's a number of complexities. With, write, write the number down. So I can see. There's there's um <laughs> there's a number of complexities uh, in the UK as well with oh. you know promoters and stuff that he's already contracted to. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That was that was a few years ago. That was pre-COVID. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, that's so that's, okay. that's a it's a hefty fee. It's not, it's not a bad for <laughs> sixty minutes work, right? right. But he never um, gives sixty. He'll go like three hours. Cool. Yeah. You know, every time he speaks, he can't just go an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 Tony. Be- a because of the impact uh, that he's created. Would you do it in this arena and, if you and, had it? Well, yeah, mate. And B because from a personal perspective, of course, that's where it all started for me. Yeah. Um, my first Tony event was actually 1994 wow. in Kona, Hawaii. Wow. Um, and I was on the kids camp. That's cool. twelve years of age. That's um, cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that would be my number one. But I asked you the question. So who do you think I um, should get? I think you should get Jay Shetty. I think Jay Shetty is uh, a voice that has inspired the world. I mean, it's blown up. And he he works with a lot of experts to help them in their business now as well. And he's done this. I've seen him go from just a content creator to a serious business you know, personality with his own certification program, with his own membership site, with his courses, with his speaking, with his podcast, with his ad revenue from YouTube and everything else. And his coaching, his coaching of high level celebrities. Sure. Um, so that could be someone that I think would be a, a powerful person if you can't get Tony. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and to be fair, we um, Jay was on my radar a few years back pre-COVID. Um, and his fee is probably a little higher now than that, but yeah, he's- Yeah, well, and it, it wasn't a fee thing. We had, we had some initial conversations um, with, uh, I spoke with his business partner at the oh. time. Um, and uh, and the the challenge then it was not a fee thing it was a he had plans to do events of his own in the UK uh, didn't yeah, want to yeah. dilute that yeah, and yeah. so that you know that made sense um, so it might be worth revisiting yeah, I don't know yeah um, but yeah anyone else in mind that you think would be great for Expert Empire since you've been here a couple of times now mm. I'm, all, I'm always looking for great female speakers I was speakers just going to say well. Gabby Bernstein is an incredible speaker right. and she's incredible with her online business and coaching and speaking and she's just she's dialed in she knows how to do launches really well she knows how to do challenges at a high level cool so gabby she'd be tough i think to get her to fly over but uh dude it, she's inspiring. it's tough to get anyone to fly it's from tough, the states man. now it's, it's getting well you especially because she's got a kid and you know the whole thing it's like it it was it was it was never easy <laughs> but now, like, I it's don't know, the, the desire or the lack of desire for people to travel, I mean. Um, but do you see the value of getting a or a couple of US people to come to event? Do you see massively. more people inspired to come? Massively. I mean, that, that's been the basis of the, the, the business model for Expert Empires since we started in 2017 was. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been spending most of my life traveling all over the world to go and learn from the best speakers. Yeah. And I was like, hey, maybe we should just bring them here, bring them here yeah. make it more accessible. And we started with Gary V in 2017. And um, did you get Gary back or no? He's done a lot in the UK now. So it's I, not I'm as, always looking at who's who, not here, who's not here, yeah. but there's a demand. Of course. For, of course. Um, so that's the, and I think Jay, Jay's a great shout. Gabby would be reason. great. Obviously she's probably not done much in the UK. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, and, the, and the, the way you get someone up, like that is, you know, around a book launch. Sure. And you buy a ton of books and sure. you get her out that way. It's actually how I got Gary first time yeah, out. Exactly. You bought probably 5,000, 10,000 yeah, copies. Yeah, I put a load of books. <laughs> like more books. You still got them in a warehouse somewhere. I don't think we ever yeah. actually, we, we, we took a load of them. They shipped a load of them. And I don't think we even shipped the rest. It was oh, essentially, so I saw it as a speaking fee and right. it was worth every penny. It of was, course. It was the best probably you launched the your time. You launched your brand. In a, On the back in of that a, one yeah, event. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, we had Grant after that. It was great. great. And yeah. so, you know, it's- Yeah, I would say Jay, then I would say Gabby Bernstein would be awesome. But yeah, man, getting you guys to fly to the 
UK. I, um, I, I noticed significant increases in fees as soon as things reopened and we could do events. Everyone's fees were like 50%, 100% up. Yeah. Well, it's also um, two, three years later than, you know, it's like. Yeah. Um, a lot of online events as well now. So yeah, I think people realized, hey, I can speak travel. from the comfort of my own home or office for maybe yeah. 30 or 40% of my fee and not have to travel. Even the, I think the last, I was here, what, three years ago with you? Yeah. I think uh, my fee that time, I was getting that fee to do a virtual talk for my studio. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, all right, for me to travel, you know, it was, and that was in 2020. I was mm. getting that fee just to be like, I'm going to do an hour from Zoom. Yeah. So kind of like, all right, it's got to really make sense. But um, I would also say Stephen Bartlett is a guy I've gotten to know in the last month. And he's here in the UK. I think he'd be an awesome person. Let me get, let you into a little secret. Fifth, we didn't set this up. 15th and 16th of September, 2022, Expert Empire. Stephen Bartlett, really? headline speaker. Yeah. There you go, man. So that's for, we haven't actually announced it publicly. Yeah. When we, we will have by the time this podcast goes I really goes like live. him. Yeah, I've, gotten, I've hung out with him three times now in the last month, actually. I met him in Dubai. We were both speaking at another conference, I guess, I don't know, a month and a half ago. And then uh, I just went on his podcast the other day, and we went to dinner. And um, I really like him. I think he's a... A really talented, smart guy who's just up to big things. So I think that'll be a great event. And people need to buy their tickets now for it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, listen, Lewis, thank you so much for. Um, I appreciate traveling all the way across the world to to come and speak at our event and be on our podcast. Of course, it's man. it's not a you know it's not an insignificant commitment. So I really appreciate of course, you, man. Um, our audience appreciates you, and uh, I know the the wrap up for this event with with you your keynote and your headline really it was like the cherry on top for an amazing event probably one of the one of if not the greatest event we've ever hosted so thank you i appreciate you and i'm sure we'll uh, we'll do a lot together in the future oh man thanks Nick. appreciate thanks, it man. okay that's it for today thank you so much for listening to empire builders please subscribe leave us a review on apple on spotify on other platforms and uh, share the love tell your friends remember till next time The more you connect, the more you collect.